And today, I just want to talk to you all on the influence and the power of music. But to begin with, I just want to do a brief, a very concise, very quick recap on the two stories that we read from the Old Testament just before. And um, number one, and that was the story of Saul's distressing spirit that came upon Saul. The distressing spirit that the Lord allowed to plague him. And earlier on in the story, God was pretty much fed up with Saul. And so he sent Samuel to anoint Jesse's son, David, as the next king. And, and he did this even as Saul was still alive. And the world tells us that when David was anointed, the Spirit of God came upon him. But it also tells us that the Spirit of God departed from Saul and instead a distressing spirit would hound and trouble him. And um, the antidote to that, ironically, and I think it was Winston Churchill that remarked on God's sense of humor, but the antidote to Saul's distressing spirit happened to be found in the same David that was anointed and tipped to take over. And so David would play the harp, as the word says, he would make beautiful music from the harp, and that distressing spirit would depart from Saul. Just like that, really. And that's the first story in 1 Samuel chapter 16 that we, that we read earlier. And then the next story that we read is found in 2 Kings chapter 3. And it's actually one of my it's actually one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, but it's set a few generations later. And basically what happened was that the, the king of Moab, and um, I, I don't fault you all if you don't realize where some of these places are, so I'm going to give you guys a helping hand. Um, you might have to zoom in for yourselves. But basically the king of Moab had an arrangement with Ahab, the king of Israel, where he regularly paid the king of Israel in, in lambs and wool. And that's an arrangement that Moab decided to discontinue when Ahab died. So when Jehoram became the new king of Israel, when his father had died, um, the Moabites decided that they were going to discontinue and they rebelled against this arrangement that they had. And so Jehoram, the new king of Israel, um, he set out to set the Moabites straight. And he sought the help of uh, Jehoshaphat, the God-fearing king of Judah, the southern kingdom, in order to do it. And they swung around and they picked up the king of Edom and his men on the way there. So you can see Edom down the bottom and then Moab a little bit further up. So they took a, a bit of a roundabout way to get to where they needed to get to. But we, we know that on the seventh day of their journey there, as we read earlier, they ran out of water. And water is one of those things that you just can't afford to, to go too long without. And Jehoram immediately thought that God had led them out there to be done away with. And Jehoshaphat was actually the one that sought a prophet who could give them a word from God, an actual word from God. And that led them to Elisha, the prophet Elisha. And now... <laughs> Elisha wasn't too excited about seeing the ungodly Jehoram, whose father had slaughtered God's prophets in the past. And he actually says, um, if it wasn't for the fact that Jehoshaphat came with you, I wouldn't have even given you the time of day, pretty much. Sorry, I'm paraphrasing here. 
Um, but can I just stick a pin there for a second and can I just add, this, this is for free, I just want to say this one. Um, doesn't it just highlight also the importance of having the right friends and the right company? Um, if you aren't living a life that's right and you can't get a word from God yourself, I think you'd better have somebody in your circle that knows what to do or where to go in order to hear a word from God. Amen. And of course, as we read earlier, um, Elisha asks for a musician. And the scriptures tell us that when the musician, um, when, when, when the DJ dropped the beat, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha and he received a word from God. Just like that. Did you all read the same, the same text that I read? Now, in, in these two stories, we can see quite clearly that there is influence and there is power in music. But often I feel like these are just words and statements that flow off our tongues and we don't even give it too much thought. And I want to explore them a little bit more today. And now, um, the first thing, I, the first point I want to make is that ministry, that music is a ministry. Yeah, music is a ministry. And what is ministry? Ministry is a service. It's activity that furthers the work and purpose of something. And the real question that I have for you guys today, at this point in time, is what sort of ministry is your music engaged in? What sort of, mu what sort of ministry is your music engaged in? Is it honoring and glorifying God? Is it furthering the work of his kingdom here on earth? Um, and the second point, and I've got a few points, so you'll have to bear with me. But the second point that I want to make tonight is that um, music has power. Now, what's important to note is that all power has a source. No source, no power. So the question is, What's the source of the music that you're listening to? Is it a satanic source or is it a godly source? Is it a worldly source or is it a spiritual source? Now, I honestly believe that Satan realizes the power of music. And I need you to remember, I need you to remember that the next time you say it's just a song, it, it doesn't mean anything. Um, I don't even believe the lyrics anyway. It's, it, it just has a nice beat. You know, um, we know that Satan knows the special place that music has because music is used in heaven in worship of God. And there are various scriptures that tell us this. And Satan being a former angel, he would know this. And, and remember that he wasn't just any angel. He was the highest ranking of the angels, not even the other um, archangels were ranked as high. And even if it is disputed that Satan was actually the director of music in heaven, there is no doubt in my mind that he would know just how powerful a tool and medium music is being so highly ranked. And today I want to touch on three basic parts or elements of a musical composition or a song to show you as simply as I can just how powerful a tool music can be. Now, I have to, I have to put a plug in here as a disclaimer. We don't know each other and, and they don't know it yet, but I've employed parts of the works of 
um, Montel Jordan and Dylan Lane in my presentation today to help you guys out. And they're just snippets of knowledge that I'm using to highlight a point. That's all. And I just want you to pay attention to a few of the things that I say today. But these are the three components or elements of songs or music that I would like to highlight, that I would like you all to remember also today. And um, the first part that I want to talk about is the melody. Everybody say melody. And the melody is a bunch of notes or sounds that are grouped or organized together in a particular way into a musical idea. That's basically what a melody is. Now, what I want you to take note of and think about is the fact that the melody appeals to and affects your emotions. And I think you will find that the emotion and the melody tend to go hand in hand in life. When you're in a good mood, what's the melody you hum along to? And likewise, when you're, a, when you're having a sad or a gloomy day, what are you humming to? What's the melody that plays in your head as the day goes by? Can you raise your hand if, you, if you've got a melody in your head right now? If a song impacts your emotions, if it influences the way that you feel, I want you to know today that it has power over you. The next part that I want to talk about, and I want you to consider, is the rhythm or the beat of a song. And the beat is the pattern of sounds and silence that it backs up the melodies and the lyrics. I don't think there's any point in denying it, but there are beats and there are rhythms out there that make even those of you with, with two left feet want to get up and move. Um, when, when you hear certain songs, they make you tap your, your, your feet, they make you tap your fingers. But you know what that means? That means that the rhythm or beat appeals to and it affects your will. Yeah, so the melody affects your emotions and the rhythm affects your will. What does that mean? It makes you want to do stuff physically. Your body just can't help um, bopping and grinding to it. And often in, in gyms, you hear certain rhythms or beats that get you pumping. And, and that's probably why you, you, you won't find me in the gym. Um, I, I'm dying to get into a gym, um, but, you know, when I listen to the rhythms and the beats that they drop in their place, I just say, uh, not today, Satan. Look, I just want you to remember one thing about, about it as well, that anything that is influencing and impacting your will has power over you. And the last of the three points that I wanted to touch on just quickly was that I wanted to touch on the lyrics. The lyrics of the song are the actual words that our mouths say when we sing. And what's the point I'm trying to make with lyrics? The overarching point that I want you guys to remember today is that the lyrics of a song appeal to and affects your mind or your thinking. Now, we've talked previously about the power of words, and I can't begin to emphasize to you all the importance of the lyrics of a song. 
And what's happening today, whether we realize it or not, in the realm of music, is that we are allowing our musical icons to minister to us in music. Now, you don't have to be a worship leader in church in order to be engaged in music ministry. And nowadays, you'll also realize that, they've, that they don't even call them musical icons anymore. They've become musical idols. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. But my encouragement, or rather my challenge to you guys today, is that you need to pause for a moment and then go through your mind, go through your devices, go through your playlists, and pay close attention to the words of the songs that you are allowing to minister to your souls. And some of them are subtle, but more and more these days, they're becoming emboldened as the return of the Lord gets nearer and the falling away continues. And I just want to give you two examples from two extremely popular artists or groups. Now, I used to love Bohemian Rhapsody. It was, it was eccentric. It was unique. It was... Uh, I thought at the time that, that as a musical composition, it was just genius. Then years later, when I finally sat down and read the words, I realized what the lyrics actually said. Easy come, easy go, will you let me go? Bismillah, no, we will not let you go. Let him go, Bismillah, we will not let you go. Now I'd sing it, but I, I'd, my throat sore. Um, and then further down, it says, Mamma Mia, let me go. Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me, for me, for me. Bismillah is actually an invocation for Allah, the Muslim God. But when you look, they don't even try to hide Beelzebub is in there. Now, I used to um, tap my feet and try and dance and try and do um, what everybody else did when this song came on, because it was almost like an anthem for those gatherings. Everybody knew it. I just didn't realize that that's what these lyrics had in store. And if you're a Beyonce fan in any way, shape or form, um, you could turn away now, but I just wanted to pull one example from many, many of her works that I could have chosen from. And I do apologize for the grim and dark nature of some of these lyrics, but I think it's important to expose the works of darkness here. And this is from um, a little poetry piece that she has to a beat before her song that I believe is called Hold Up. I saw the devil. I grew thick in skin on my feet. I bathed in bleach and plugged my menses with the pages from the holy book. I don't want to get too graphic or too detailed about what that means, but these are songs that are out in the open and they are played and they are replayed out in the open each and every day. Now, if any music, if any songs are influencing your mind and your thinking today, I need you to know that it has power over you. And if you're rocking up to church with your friends and the radio is blasting all sorts of music that doesn't conform to the spiritual things of God, I don't think you should be surprised that you get to church and you can't, or you get to Bible study and you can't get a word from God or you can't feel God moving because 
Josh 685 isn't going to help usher in the Spirit of God that illuminates His Word for you when you come to the Sunday service or the Wednesday Bible study. You are absorbing these words into your soul, and it is powerful. And I hope that you realize that a little bit more today. I just want you to know, and I want you to realize that the gist of what I'm trying to reveal to us today is that the music we listen to determines who we serve, and it determines who we worship. I'm not going to sit here and try and dictate to you what you should or you shouldn't listen to, and we can look into the complexities of the topic on Wednesday. And yes, some of you may walk away today feeling convicted, and you've got things in your playlists. There may be a few tracks you've got to purge. But all I'm trying to do today is to remind you of a few things regarding music and its power and influence in our lives. There, I believe there's an underlying war in the spiritual realm, and every inch of our lives is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. And the devil, a fallen angel who can't create anything for himself, has sought to weaponize the gift of music, and he uses it daily to his advantage. Not only does it influence your life personally, but I want you to realize that it influences the world around you as well. Remember that music influences culture. And I remember that Ravi used to quote a man that got up and said one day in Parliament, I think it was in Ireland, and he said, let them write the laws of the land, or I don't care who writes the laws of the land, let me write their music. Because he understood that it was the music that really shaped the culture of the land. And right throughout the Bible, we are given songs and psalms and hymns and all manner of resources by which we are to worship God. And we need to refocus our worship in the arena of music once again. And I think we've got to ask ourselves, as young people in particular, a couple of questions today. One of them being, am I willing to listen to music that could be produced under demonic influence? Am I willing to excuse it away, despite knowing what I now know? And we also need to ask ourselves that if faith comes by hearing the Word of God, what happens to you and your faith when you're feeding yourself with the words of music that is produced to invoke um, darkness, invoke lust, invoke violence. I truly believe, and I know that it is biblical, that God gives us music as a gift. It is a wonderful gift. And look, I wish I had the gift of a beautiful voice so that I could use it in worship. And if you have that gift today, and I've heard a few of you sing already tonight, please don't underestimate its power and its potency. If you have musical ability and talent, you are blessed by God. Music is a gift. Now, music in and of itself is not evil. I don't believe that. It is a gift that can be used for both good or evil. It's very much like anything else. There's nothing wrong with a laptop, but what you do with it determines whether or not it is being used for what is good or what is evil. And the point that I want to 
to remind us all about today and the encouragement that I have for us today regarding music as a gift is something that I learned recently as well, that when God gives it to us, it is a gift. But when we give it back to God, it is worship. Now, I learned a little while back that there's actually a, a simple distinction between praise and worship. And, you know, you rock up to church and everybody says, oh, no, it's praise and worship, it's praise and worship. And I'm guilty. I'm guilty of being one of those people that tries to um, shortcut my way into things. So I'll skip the praise and worship um, and I'll just get, in, get there in time for the message. But in the same way that the wrong type of music ushers in a different spirit, not being present for the praise and worship is actually detrimental to us also because it's much, much harder for us to usher in the spirit of God that illuminates his word and gives us those revelations. But the, the distinction that I found between the two, between praise and worship, and I hope that it blesses you also today, is that we praise God because of what he's done, but we worship God because of who he is. We praise God because of what he's done, but we worship God because of who he is. And you know what that means? I think that means that he doesn't have to do anything to require your worship. He doesn't have to touch you emotionally or bring you out of a situation in order for him to deserve your worship. If he does that, I believe it deserves your praise. But worship is and should be a lifestyle. You worship the great I am simply because he is. There is no excuse left for us as children and disciples of the living God to compromise and conform to the musical weaponry that the devil has in the world. And I acknowledge that it's a struggle, especially given the culture and the times that young people are living in today. But we have to remember that greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. And greater is he that is in us that deserves our worship than anything that is in the world. And with those few words, I'm going to leave you all today with the words of Scripture that we read earlier on from Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 21. And I just want to say um, thank you for your time and your hearing today. And on that note, I pray that you will all be blessed. I pray that God bless you richly this week. Thank you. Let us pray. Father, thank you for our time here today. Thank you for the word that you've given. I believe, Lord, that you gave a word that was meant for this day, for this time. I believe that you anointed it for our consumption here today. And I pray, Father, that it finds fertile soil in each and every one of our hearts. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit continue to work in us. And Lord, that you would write the words that we've, we've read write the words that we've heard today on the tablets of our hearts, Lord, that as we depart from this place, we might never forget. And Lord, I pray for those of us who are struggling in this area, for those of us who may have felt conviction here today, I pray and I commit them to you tonight, Father God, and I ask for the Holy Spirit 
to be upon them as they depart from this place, knowing, Father, that the work that you have started, you will not let go until it is finished. I commit each and every one of us once again to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.